Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode 172. Okay, so last time we were have we had a podcast, uh, I was working on the Pinotaur pinball platform. Yeah. And uh, I got my breakout boards for the ATCMD21G18A uh, back from the fab, and it all works, which nice. is really cool. Um, so I sent one up to Ben for testing, and he actually got his today and was able to get some test code running on it, making sure the COM, like the USB Type-C interface works, that all works fine. It, it, the debug port works. So that's really cool. So the, like basically the next steps for that is to start doing the power design and testing for the Pinotaur. So I'm probably gonna make those individual boards as well to test those. And so, you know, building a you know 10 inch by six inch board all the way out just build like little tiny modules so we know everything functions before we integrate it all. Cool. Um, so that's that's the next step, and I'm probably going to use you know like TI Webbench to do the power supply design. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to use because I need some kind of input protection, and I'm like, okay, TVS and ESD protection is a given. Um, but I'd like to do like overcurrent protection for this kind of stuff as well. And so I can do fuses, which are actually pretty inexpensive. Fuses are pretty inexpensive to integrate onto a board. Um, I think we were using like 20 millimeter fuses on the pinheck. And I'm thinking, yeah, those were the ones where you had the led underneath them, right? Yeah. So the led would light up at the fuse blue. Mm -hmm. No, the led would go out at the fuse blue. That's how it worked. Got it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a way to make it so they go, it lights up with the fuse blows, but I can't remember how that works. Um, there is a way to make that work, though. Yeah, you could just have the output controller transistor that, yeah. that would flip it. Well, I've got some automotive fuses, like ATC-style automotive fuses, yeah. that only have, when you look into them, they just have an LED, and they light up when the fuse blows. So I don't know how that is working exactly. Huh, okay. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, yeah. there's two terminals, and it when it blows yeah. it... Huh, okay. It lights okay. up. It, so I have to look up how that works. When it blows, <laughs> it shorts the leg of the uh, LED somehow? I guess so. I, I don't know. I that's so. weird. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I bet you what happens is it blows, Yeah. which allows current to only go through... Because if, if, if it... Otherwise, the LED gets shunted, right? Right. And I think if the if it blows, it probably limits the current, how much is going through it, because there is a path to ground somewhere on the other side. Oh, so the fuse is in parallel with the uh, LED is what you're saying, and then the parallel section breaks, so everything has to flow through the LED? LED, and I guess that probably limits the current, so you don't blow the LED and you're, melt your wire. Okay, so it's not preventing... Uh, everything from flowing. It's just preventing it down to whatever the LED is. I would, I'm going to guess that's how that works. Okay, yeah. I get, that I mean, would make sure. sense. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, the I whole point someone, of a fuse is to break it entirely. Entirely, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if I want to go with those 20 millimeter glass fuses again. Um, I'm thinking about going with because the whole idea is to make the Pentatar smaller. And those yeah. are pretty large components on the board. I mean, yeah. they're like an inch long by, you know, 
a third of an inch wide, something like that. 0.33 repeating inches wide. <laughs> of, of course. <laughs> and, and um, but they're inexpensive. And so I, we were using on an older version of the Penhex system, we were using like an E-fuse. Yeah, like a and poly so it would monitor thing? the current and then it would oh. sh- like it would close the FET or open the FET if the current got too high. Right, right. Which is nice because then you, you just reset the power and it would, you know, uh, it would make it a uh, it would close the, the MOSFET back up. Um, the problem is those are expensive. Those are like four bucks a IC. Yeah. <laughs> and so and then another thing is with the penetrator. But the thing is they're tiny because they're like the size of like a. Um, I think they're like a DSN eight package. So they're like, you know, five millimeters by five millimeters in di- in size. But so they're expensive, and the thing with the Pentar is to make it cheaper than the Pinhex system was. And so I started looking at like maybe we can use like automotive ATC mini fuses because those are, you know, they're like ten millimeters or so wide, so they're tiny, um, and then you can get them in all the current ratings that you, we would need and. And so I've been looking at like the the mounting for those. Like you need the the socket for them to plug into. Yeah. And it would be nice if I can find a surface mount one of those, just to reduce the labor cost. Um, but I could see like people fumbling in the dark and then like ripping a fuse off. So I'll probably have to go through hole on that, regardless. Um, so that's that. And then I got the Wagoneers that that tack installed. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I already had the power and ground, you know, already there underneath the dash for, for all the other gauges, and then I just ran the wire from the tack into the cab, and uh, put some sheet metal screws into the plastic dash, and that was it. Cool. So I, I haven't um, done the documentation yet on my blog, but I will get to that sometime this week, <laughs> sometime. so people can look at it. Yeah. You know, I, I, this just came to mind, going back to the, the fuse thing. I absolutely detest it when you open a product up and you see a through-hole fuse. You ever seen those, the 20-millimeter bodies that have a lead coming yeah, off of it? Yeah, and they soldered them in. Yeah, and they soldered it in. It's like, oh, geez, thanks, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, at least it didn't burn your house down when it blew. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a little bit of a middle finger towards repairing it, you know? Yes, because... You have to desolder something. Yeah, you have to desolder something. Most of the time, that means whatever board that it's connected to, you have to pull that entirely out of... Oh, it's just a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate that. In fact, I don't... You know, can you just buy those right off of Mauser or DigiKey? Or do those... Like, I haven't even seen those. I, I mean, know. I haven't been looking for them, but... I don't know if you can buy those at, like, Mauser or DigiKey. Because they are normally in, like really cheap appliances and stuff like that. Right, right. Something where they wanted to automate everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. And, well, they don't have to have the connector in there or the, the, the holder. So right. it cuts out a bomb item. It cuts out a bomb item, but it also cuts out the labor of after that's been done, you still oh, have to actually, insert the fuse. Yeah, someone just putting the fuse in there? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. You're, you're saving a few pennies, but... Mm. Yeah. You're right. Not a lot of, yeah. You're not saving headache. That's for sure. No, not done. Well, you got to think of like how many of these units, the fuse actually does blow before the user throws it away. Oh, I'm sorry. Recycles it. Oh, recycle. Yeah. 
Ah, whatever. Luckily, I don't see those very often. And you're right. It's just kind of unlike the lowest of low-grade stuff you see that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. The, uh, you see that a lot in thermal fuses and devices. Oh, yeah, thermal fuses where they, they wire it's directly like, to them and then put heat shrink around it. Yeah, they had that, like, uh, Kevlar. Not Kevlar. Is that Kevlar? <laughs> they had that kind of, like, heat-resistive sleeve over it. Right, yeah. And then they, like, tape it to whatever they're monitoring um yeah that's really 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 annoying because it's like okay it's because you never really check for them yeah because they're always like hidden somewhere and yeah oh yeah you know um, (laughs) well not last weekend but the weekend before i was actually smoking some bacon um and i made a i made a smoker out of a trash can and uh and put a um i bought like a really cheapo uh electric griddle basically, and just put it in the trash can and, and use that to generate smoke, um, which totally works great. I mean... What kind of trash can? A plastic trash can? No, no, it's one of those old uh, galvanized ones, the steel ones, uh, and, and I put the... Uh, I did I did a bit of research on it and, and seems to be safe. The galvanizing the zinc is fine? <laughs> it, do, it doesn't get hot enough to do anything negative. Uh, okay. So I also I wanted to try smoking without buying a smoker. Y'all can't see, but like, but Steven's like eye is twitching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no. So so here's here's the here's the whole point of the story. If you put one of these cheapo griddles or or hot plates in the bottom of an enclosed area and then you crank it to max, it it's inside the the chamber and it, yeah. it heats up so then it's thermal fuse reaches that limit and so like it self-regulates itself at a low temperature so it actually works however that low temperature is really low so it's it's kind of annoying i was thinking about going in there and <laughs> shorting that fuse fuse out <laughs> yeah so i guess you put like the wood or whatever you're smoking on top of that hot plate yeah you just put a little cake pan Put, put the wet wood in there, and then I bought a grill grate and just set the grill grate inside on, you know, I I put some bolts in the in the trash can and then put the grill grate on that, and I smoked six and a half pounds of bacon, and it's delicious. That might be one of the most redneck things you've ever done on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might, might, be, might be better than, than uh, the 5,000-watt uh, USPS box. <laughs> I think that beats it, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the bacon That's is great. delicious. It's really good. Um, so maybe I'll buy a, an official smoker now that I've tried it. Because it, it, like, it was like $15 to just give this a shot, you know? Yeah, yeah. The trash can was clean. I'm making sure everyone knows that. It was a new trash can. Like, a everything was can. good. I did, the, I, I did my research on it. Yeah, that's when... Um for for tailgates for football yeah. and i always bring a keg yeah. i always do like the trash can with the keg yeah. i always buy a brand new trash can because like there's no way no matter how much scrubbing you're never going to get that trash film off of that <laughs> oh, plastic gross. and so it's always going to be like it's always going to have that stink of trash well yeah So besides smoking bacon, what have you been up to? Yeah, today? yeah, I've been doing some other stuff. Okay, so I actually um, bought this pretty cool little product, but had 
I have some kind of like, I don't know. I want to get your opinion on this, some qualms with it. So there's a, there's a technique in recording that's called the Fredman technique. Um, and basically what it is, is there's sort of like a legendary mic called the uh, Shure SM57, which is like the go-to for almost everything guitar. You know, unless you're trying to do like a really nice acoustic sound or whatever. If you're doing just generic electric guitar sound, it's almost always done on an SM57. Um, and the SM57 is, is a little pencil, not little, but it's a pencil style mic. Uh, so... There's a cool technique you can do where you take two of these microphones and you put them at 45 degrees to each other, the two heads of the mic, and using that phasing, you can actually remove a bunch of hiss and fizz from your recording. Basically, you record both of them. One, I mean, you can you can set the angle of how both of them are in relation to the speaker, but uh, mm -hmm. in general, one of them is usually facing directly on. So one is at this third dimension 45 away from the speaker. And depending on how you blend the levels of them, you can get a darker or a brighter sound. But combining the two, the two phasing between them actually gets rid of a bunch of nasty hiss and fizz. So um, I actually originally saw this product or, or this um, technique on a YouTube video from a uh, the channel's called Spectre Sound Studios. Uh, there's a whole, like, I don't know, three-minute video of them doing this and him, one of the main guy, discussing, like, how you blend appropriately. But then he also shows, like, it, the phase difference between the two mics and you let you listen to what is being extracted from the sound. And it sounds awful. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's great. That's what that's exactly what you want. So he he brought up this product that's uh, called the Wilkinson Audio Fredman Clip which is a plastic clip to which you can take two of these mics and it holds them both at the appropriate 45 degree angle on uh, one mount on one mount and that's the big thing like you because you can easily do this with two mounts but as soon as you want to move the mics or anything you have to the do both of them you and, have to get yeah. it perfect uh and so with this clip you can hold two mics they're always at the right angle and so you can experiment with how you like the placement or you know a lot of times guitar cabinets have more than one speaker you might want to try one and then the other blah 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 so this little clip holds the two mics together pretty neat now in this youtube video where he's describing this clip he he talks about the wilkinson audio guys and uh that they're he had a prototype of it and he was like he said hey you know these these things are going to get professionally made and be available in a while so i went to the wilkinson audio site and lo and behold they had the clip so it, it's a canadian website they had it for 15 bucks with five dollars shipping so i was like great so i just clicked buy and uh it showed up and there was something unique about it that i didn't really expect and that's probably on me because i didn't actually look at the pictures of it before I bought it, I was just like, yeah, that's what I want, I know, because I saw it in the YouTube video. Well, it shows up, and it's a 3D printed clip, and, you know, we've discussed multiple times 3D printing, and I'm not opposed to it, and I, I think it's fun, and I've used it a lot, but I just spent 20 bucks on this, and I was like, ah, you know, that's sort of disappointing. Yeah, you could have asked me to, like, print something, and I would be like, yeah, sure, and yeah, you know, I would have yeah. shipped it to you for like five bucks the next day. Well, and the thing is, like, 
in the YouTube video that I saw, granted, he's not affiliated with Wilkinson Audio, so this was just purely some guy using a prototype of theirs. He said that they were going for professional injection molded. They were getting like a, a full-on thing, and I, I end up with a 3D printed clip. Now it's fully functional. Like there's, you know, not there's necessarily not not necessarily anything wrong with it. No, but it's also just like. I was a little bit disappointed when I got it because it doesn't look like a professional product. It and looks like a 3D printed product. And it's $20. Right, right, yeah. And so, like, yeah, they're making bank on that. You know, they're making really good margins. And the thing is, they, they used a really, really thick ABS. I mean, I don't know what this step height is, but it's, like, four times as big as the one that you use on your um, Okay, so it's printed really fast. It's printed really fast. It feels generally robust but the diameter of the circles that holds the mics in fact i'm i'm putting it up to the video i mean parker's the only one who can see it but i have to like really force it in there and you have to open up a 3d printed like uh semicircle like multiple millimeters and i know 3d printed crap they don't like to be flexed you know like this mm-hmm. is not a flexible material so all said and done, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, how do you feel if you ordered something and it came 3D printed? It would have to have the 3D printed price. So if it, I've, I've actually ordered stuff that's been 3D printed, but it's always been like, yeah, I, I, it's a low volume thing. The price is correct for a 3D printed thing. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll buy it. But my, my favorite thing is I'm looking at the website and it says color, choose an option. You can have any color you want, but it has to be black. <laughs> yeah, right. And the thing is, <laughs> if you look at the pictures, it's very obviously 3D printed. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's unmistakable. Uh, they're not, the, Wilkinson's audio isn't trying to scam you into, into that. Well, how, however, however, if you look at, Oh, so if you go to the Fredman SM57 clip, the web page, the very first image that that shows up for like their all their images is this clip, a white version holding two mics, and it doesn't look 3D printed. It looks like if you look at it hard, it, but you could you could it's tell. It's hard to tell because it's, like, it's on an overexposed image. Exactly. On a white background. <laughs> exactly. So, but, I mean, if you click you on any of it. the other images. So, you know, immediately when I see it, I, I didn't go to the other images because I knew what it was from the YouTube video. Yeah, and you're like, I want that. Yeah, I, I'm, I was going there with a purpose. Now, it doesn't say anywhere on their description or their additional information, hey, this is a 3D printed product. And, and it looks like they sell tons of other options for different mics to do all kinds of uh, 120s and 45 degree patterns and things. Super cool. I love it. It's great. I just kind of wish I knew it was 3D printed beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and on top of that, they tried to print their logo into the side of it. Well, it's basically indented mm-hmm. into the, the side because you can do things like that with 3D printing, but it looks terrible if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I, you so, know. So I did a quick google search yeah and i i got an stl for a fredman sm57 clip and i will print you this and send it to you and see which one's better oh will you yeah i'd love yeah. to i'd love to do an ab comparison really okay that actually makes me a little upset 
Now, I understand they probably don't have a, they're how many people are buying these, you know, it clips. Not much. I guarantee you it's not high volume. So to get a mold made and all that stuff, you know, on the low end for something like this, you're probably looking at 5 thousand four thousand five thousand to get a mold made and then you'd have minimum orders for things like this you know that's a lot of upfront capital for something like this that they probably only sell a handful a month i maybe well, i'm guessing but i'm scrolling down the googles a bit yeah and so someone's actually got a shapeways link that you can buy theirs from shapeways directly now on 60 bucks 60 yeah 60 dollars Wow, and is it's the Wilkinson one? No, 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 no. it's not the Wilkinson one. It's a, a another brand, ah. someone de- or someone designed it, etc. But it is the um, Fredman clip. Yeah, it's that style, forty-five degree. It's designed to hold SM fifty-sevens. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I used it, and it's fun, and it's cool, it and it, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. So, you know, not necessarily an issue there. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I would love to hear that. If anyone wants to jump on the Slack channel, I would love to hear your opinions on if you didn't know you were getting a 3D printed product and then you did. I would say if I, if I did not know I was receiving one, I would be unhappy. Yeah. But I've, I haven't had that happen. I've always been like, oh, it's 3D printed. Um, you got to prepare yourself for a 3D printed yeah. Well, because that's the thing is no matter how good 3d printing is even like the really good like um uh what do you call it the uh the um powder machines or the resin machines you still do get the lines the re- the resolution yeah. lines right and no matter how good it, it still looks 3d printed and in my mind in my mind because I have a 3D printer and have made stuff with it that I use a lot. Yeah. I view it, and and knowing how injection molding and stuff works, I view it as not really inferior, but it's a cheaper thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, okay, here's another thing on top of that. After I ordered this thing, I got an email saying uh, that this could take up to a month to produce and get to me. Uh, and and then I was like, okay, I mean that's fine. Like maybe they have to go do something. And then it was three D printed, and I'm like, really? You know, a month? <laughs> you couldn't have like, I don't know, fifty of these on the shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry if you're listening, Wilkinson Audio. I like your clip. It's just kind of weird. Oh, I think it's a little. I would I would say if I was them, I would say. It's 3D printed in the description. Right. And and say it's 3D printed and maybe some things about saying, like, we've tested this a bazillion times. It's not going to just break, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have stuff that's, like, in my engine compartment on my Jeep that is 3D printed and it's been in there for two years and it still looks, you know, brand new. Right. So 3D printed stuff doesn't mean bad. It's just... It doesn't. It will never look as nice as an injection molded piece of plastic. Yeah, it doesn't scream quality. Yes. Right. Um, oh well. Oh, <laughs> That's that. It is what it is. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so on to the next thing. Um, I spent a little bit more time with the macro amp and actually got one of the whole channels 
going entirely. So my whole new tube board, the whole power supply, the choke going uh, with an EO34 driving a 8 ohm speaker. And lo and behold, it works great. Uh, and actually sounds pretty damn good, too. Um, it's pretty low noise. Uh, actually, very low noise. And um, the gain of 100 that I had before works okay, actually, in the triode mode. Because the triode mode, I actually need to push it a little bit harder. Uh, okay. So, triode being the screen of the EL34 is connected directly to the uh, plate. So, the screen grid inside is basically acting like another anode. Um, which makes it actually really weak and uh, output a whole lot less power. But um, even with that 100 times gain, I uh, I was able to drive it to full uh, output. In fact, I was able to distort the living hell out of it, which is cool. Uh, so I can back it down a little bit. In other words, I've found like, where the top limit is. And I thought I was going to do that really, really easily with 100 times gain. But it wasn't that easy, which is good. So I have a pretty nice little range. But yeah, so the uh, I, I haven't got the second channel working because I need to change a few small things, just redo some solder joints and stuff. But um, I was working on some other speakers to go with it. Um, have you seen those DML speakers, which is the audio exciter that's basically just glued to a sheet of material? Yeah, it looks like a hockey puck, and it just vibrates, right? That's right, yeah. So I actually made a pair of speakers um, using some cheapo, cheapo DML uh, audio exciters that I, well, I didn't even glue them. They come with like this really sticky 3M tape that you just stick it right on the back of whatever. <laughs> I got a two by four sheet of uh, eighth inch, three eighths. I can't remember. Quarter inch, maybe uh, plywood and <laughs> just stuck them to the back of plywood. And I have my macro amp driving a piece of plywood that just wiggles. And um, it doesn't sound great, but it uh, <laughs> it does but, work. But it does it does absolutely work. Yeah, plywood or specifically the the plywood that I purchased is not uh, the best option. I was just I wanted something cheap that I could just test it with because I was like I don't know do these DML speakers actually work? And lo and behold, they actually do. Like it's pretty legit. In fact, um, I was watching some videos on it, and apparently some of the best acoustic material is office ceiling tiles those two by four oh, yeah? ceiling tiles yeah where you just purchase a pack of those stick these audio exciters on the back and for some reason that pressed material ends up it has the right amount of flex and the right density to hmm. uh, have a pretty damn flat frequency response uh they're so not gonna make get like super a series loud, of you can make a bunch of uh stereo monitors basically yeah, yeah, effectively. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to pick up a pair of those sometime. Uh, and then, because what I really want to do is just make a really, really wanky, stupid audio setup in my basement where I want to have a turntable that goes into a custom built tube amp that plays through acoustic ceiling tiles that are hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, I'm saying you can hang them so it looks like like they're seeing like normal ceiling tiles. Just oh, kind of like abstract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. When they're off, they would actually, since you have mass up there, they would help dampen sound. Yeah, I guess so, so a little bit. So you could have them as kind of like um, as an audio damp, like if you're playing music and you're recording something. Yeah. It would help 
dampen the sound. I, I the, suppose. The I'd, I'd need a lot more than just two of them <laughs> to dampen things. Yeah, uh, just do the whole ceiling. Your whole ceiling is The a entire ceiling. Yeah, that's a good idea. The uh, so loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna drill some holes in them and just hang them by fish wire uh, from the ceiling, and just get really stupid with it. I don't know. I think it'll be cool when it's done. But yeah, no, cool. the amp is the amp is working, which is which is great. And Park and I were discussing it actually a couple days ago, and sort of playing around with the idea of making a new PCB for it because it could be it could be better. Not actually, you know what's funny in terms of performance. I don't. I don't think making a new PCB it would perform any better. I think in terms of construction it would be better, uh, because if I were to do this again, I wouldn't use solder pads for all this, all the edge connections. Because I mean, everything just solders to the PCB, and that's fine and all, and and it's fun for like hobby one-off kind of stuff. But I think if I did this again, I would put terminal blocks uh, across mm-hmm. the entire thing, where like the transformers just. Their wires just go into terminal box blocks and get screwed down and things like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit more, I don't know, hobby friendly in the sense that it's like it makes more sense as to how you build the thing as opposed to all my random labels for these pads. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like I'm the only one who knows what that pad does. Hey, let's uh, let's do it. Yeah, I think I think it'd be fun. And we talked about maybe going to four layers. I don't know. I'll play around with it. Yeah, I think we should go four layers and like the. Top and bottom are grounds. This is all shielded. Yeah, yeah, just completely encased. And then, and then all the grounds are via stitched. So yeah. you can see the internal traces by just the following the, the stitching. You know, I did that on the Vox in a box. Um, yeah, you, that's you how I got see, that idea You can from. see all that tracing, yeah. You know, I wonder how many vias per square inch until a PCB house is like, I'm not doing this. You just know, like, no. Yeah, like if you put if you put the minimum uh, acceptable annular ring on a via, and then you spaced them that distance away from each other and just pockmarked the entire, <laughs> would would a would a, a PCB house just be like, we're not doing five hundred thousand holes on a three inch by three inch PCB? <laughs> it, it's like at um, when when you're you're building your board and you do the enig finish. And yeah. if you have over a certain percentage of your board is that finished, they'll charge you more. Yeah, and they have too to much put gold. more gold on the board. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so there is one other thing that uh, actually both Parker and I have been working on. Um, we have a prize that we are working on for some upcoming cool things that are happening with the, the – uh, the podcast so i've been working on a little bit of an enclosure dun, 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 for a prize that's mm-hmm. coming up here so parker's doing some stuff on it and uh, i've been playing with the enclosure design hopefully we'll come up with some cool stuff that will be highly desirable or not or not um and it's not going to be 3d inf- printed i can tell you that it's not going to be 3d printed yeah no. it's going to be subtract subtractive printed <laughs> probably actually <laughs> um <laughs> And people will know more information about it around June 1st. Ooh, it's coming up. It's coming up. Maybe maybe by that time. uh, So Parker and I, well, I should say Parker, already has some concept drawings of what the prize will be. Maybe by then we'll have something a little bit more set in stone. Uh, I'm hoping when we 
announce whatever happens on June 1st, we have kind of like this thing, like a 3D render of this thing. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's the goal. Yeah. So, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned, yep. And speaking of stay tuned, RFO time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or the rapid fire opinion. That's right. Yeah. Don't leave yet. Don't turn off your radio. Do people still listen to radio? I yeah, don't, don't, don't turn off your thing. Your Zune. <laughs> oh, gosh, I haven't heard that in a long ass time. <laughs> All right, you what know, do we got in the funny, oh, I got a side tangent on that. Is Go for it. Is, um, so I had, I, had my, I had a colonoscopy last Monday, okay? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I like how this is just a side tangent. <laughs> okay, yeah, a side tangent, okay? <laughs> and so during the prep, so people don't know because they're not old enough, um, you have to spend a whole day prepping, okay? And so the basically only thing you can really do while prepping is like watch movies, right? Okay, and so I was like, okay, I you know I don't really watch a ton of uh, Marvel movies or whatever, so I'm like, hey, I'm gonna watch Guardians of the Galaxies, like the one and two. Yeah. And the second one, the second a, one is he, weird. He gets a zoom though at the end. Yeah. And I'm like, what year was this made in? Yeah, but his the the whole first one is like a cassette tape. So they're just they're just walking down the line, right? Yeah, but like after cassette you would have like mini disc. Well, I guess well you'd have uh C D, right? Or and CD, then mini, mini disc. disc and then MP three, but like Zune, I don't even know if Zune was a, still around when Guardians of the Galaxies two came out. Well, neither were cassette players. Yeah, but the whole thing with Guardians of the Galaxies is kind of like that 80s-ish vibe for the music. I think they're just going down the line and they're they're catering to whatever retro thing was cool for some period of time. Maybe, but I don't think the Zune was ever cool. <laughs> I had a friend who had a Zune. He thought it was cool. I remember he had one of those things and uh, it was capable of like 20 songs or something like that. And so he was always going to his computer to swap out what was on it hmm apparently the the director of that movie has an explanation of why they use a zoom but i'll read it afterwards i, I, I thought I, it was really like it, 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 i'll put it this way is when that showed up i'm like why is that in this movie now that doesn't make any sense you, you know you know the part of this that i like is that it you could have still gone on that entire tangent without talking about the colonoscopy and it still would have been the same well tangent. i had to explain why i would waste six hours of my life watching those movies <laughs> hey I, the first one I, the first one was cool the second one it's okay eh, i like i was way is we're giving it more of a tangent is because yeah. i watched those movies and i'm like man i felt like afterwards i'm like man that wasn't really a good use of my time <laughs> Because because afterwards I watched Tarantino's Hateful Eight. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I went from like garbage movies for the masses, and then I, then I watched like a like cinematic masterpiece of a movie. It's <laughs> 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 like this huge like gap of like the technical aspect of that movie, the how it's shot, the characters, the writing. It's just. That movie is just so much higher than the other one, uh, than Guardians. It's just like, 
Yeah, I was like, man, I wish I could watch. I, I should have watched The Hateful Eight three times in a row. That's <laughs> what I should have done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm it's like, not. It's like, it's like one of those movies you would only watch if you're stuck on an airplane. I would oh, say yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is, is on that list. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're on Guardians, I mean, if you're on a, a, most of the airplanes that, uh, you know, go to Europe and stuff, you could watch it six times. <laughs> All the way. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, actual RFO time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So last Friday, there was a tariff increase, May 10th tariff increase. And this is the uh, Section 301 Tariff List 3 went into effect. And surprisingly, not a lot of people are talking about this. I've noticed like there's a couple manufacturers out there that are like, Hey, PCB pricing is going to go up because of this tariff, but that's about it. It's a very stark contrast from last July's tariffs. When that one was coming in, like people were like, like freaking out Mm. like crazy. And this one is kind of like, eh, okay, whatever. But the thing is that was last July was only a 10% increase on this huge list of things. Hmm. This is a 10% to 20. This is a taking the 10% on some items and bumping it to 25%, which is, it's huge. And it's more than just some items. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're correct. Um, It just amazes me that no one's really talking about this. So I wrote an article on it last Friday. It came out today. And I basically broke down what items covers it. The, The first big one on the list is Unpopulated circuit boards. There's actually a lot of stuff on this list, but this is, you know, only for electronic manufacturing and components. Because, I mean, we don't talk about tractors that often on this podcast. Well, okay. Also, real quick, I could tell you that people are starting to pay attention now because as of today, the uh, uh, stock market took the biggest hit since January uh, due to China retaliating with higher tariffs. With higher tariffs? Yeah. So... I mean, it, 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 j- the tariff itself isn't something, but as soon as the money starts to get hit, people start <laughs> really paying attention. 2019 tariff wars. Crazy. So what's all on the list? So the, f- the first one is, well, that's important for electronics, is unpopulated circuit boards. Yeah. So if you import unpopulated circuit boards from China, 25%. Any unpopulated circuit boards. Yes. It doesn't matter what it goes into yep. or what it's for. 25%. I um, like I like what you said earlier um, today on the Slack channel, where, or at least you might have just said it to me, where it was, now those $1 JLC boards go to $1.25. Yes, $1.25. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. So for, yeah, my $1 boards, it's, it's not a huge hit. It's annoying, but for... A lot of others, it's it's a hike, you know? It's a hike, yep. Hmm. Um, so there's a handful of electrical components, diodes. Yeah, it's not as much as last year. In July last year, they were like, everything that's electrical component, pretty much, a, a passive at least, is getting right. a tariff. But this is very specific of what they're choosing. Yeah. So diodes that are used... For surge suppressing and like TVS and lightning, like right. 
high voltage suppressors basically Correct. those are going up in uh in tariffs mm-hmm. um resistors in the forms of potentiometers and rheostats yeah is going up very right. specific it's not like just resistors it's potentiometers and rheostats basically variable resistors are going up in yeah but, in but resistors proper were hit the first time around yes yes correct um, transformers is the big one. Yeah. And it's basically any commercial, well, not commercial, I should say, any like generic transformer is now has a 25% tariff on it. Right. But it's, but it also says electrical transformers other than liquid dielectric having a power handling, handling capability or capacity less than one KVA. So that's like, all consumer electronics that have a transformer in it. Yes, which is everything that plugs into the wall. Right. So they're not hitting even the, your, your switching pole power supply has <laughs> got a transformer in it. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, um, inductors then, for power supplies. Yeah, inductors. It actually calls out inductors that go into power supplies for what they call ADPs, which are we'll get into that in the future. ADP machines and units of heading. 8471, and we'll get in that in a little bit. Um, and telecommunication. And then it just says other inductors, which is everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they could have just done the second one, which was just all inductors. Everything, yeah. But for some reason, they call out this other one as well. Uh, um, I don't know why, but they do. Um, let's see what else is on this list. Um, oh, and the next, the last big electrical component is batteries, but primary cells only. Okay. And so like AA, AAAs, D cells, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. those are going to get a 25% tariff up from the 10%. So expect more devices to say batteries not included. <laughs> Good movie, by the way. That's actually a movie. Yeah. Batteries not included is awesome. Oh, that's the it's the documentary for toys. Uh, I don't think it's a documentary. No, no, I'm thinking of something else, a different. I'm thinking of a different movie. Uh, go well, check it out. I remember seeing it as a kid and I loved it. Well, that movie is. Are you talking about the 1987 Batteries Not Included? Yeah. Apartment block tenants seek the aid of alien mechanical life forms to save their building from demolition. That's right. It's awesome. That, that movie is as old as I am. And me too. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll take a Maybe I should have watched that instead of Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably. You probably would have liked it more. <laughs> probably. Um, so, yeah, that those... Uh, so, batteries will go up in price if they're made in China, which probably most of them are. Yeah. Um, and then the next big section is printed circuit assemblies that go into X like into products that we final assemble here. Um, And so the one I was talking about, which was machines of 8471, these are ADP machines, which Mm -hmm. stands for automatic data processing machines, which covers pretty much anything that has a processor in it or a computer. So laptops, computers, tablets, phones, all that stuff falls under... 847. Yeah, falls under 8471. Okay. And so if you make a a graphics card in China 
And when you import it, that goes into an ADP. So it has a 25% hike on it now instead of 10%. So, okay, I, he, he, your little um, ATSAM board that you made, that breakout board, that is a data processing machine. If you had that printed circuit assembly made, do you think you that would get tariffed? Not under 8471. Okay, because it's not because going Because it doesn't go a into a ADP. Got it. Um, it actually would not get... Tw- it would get 10%, not 25%. Okay. Because last July, there was a blanket, pretty much any PCBA has 10% yeah. on it. Right, okay. So it wouldn't get this particular Correct. one. Correct. It wouldn't get yeah. this particular one. This one is basically circuit boards that go into computers, laptops, input devices, output devices, storage units... Anything related to computers, basically. Right. So, this. yeah, your, 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 your raw motherboard that you buy from Fry's is now 25% higher. Yes. Yeah. Unless it was made in, like, Taiwan. Right, right. Oh, of course. This, is, this applies to things created in China. Yes. Um, word processing machines, and I had to look up what that was, and that's electronic <laughs> typewriters. <laughs> and Who so, makes electronic typewriters? Well, the thing is, I, I, I haven't looked this up, though, but... The fact, though, is they called out in this new thing electronic typewriters. So there is a company here in the United States that makes circuit boards that go into electronic typewriters. Huh. Okay. So someone has to be doing this final assembly of electronic typewriters somewhere in the United States. That's that's weird. Um, Next thing on the list is like power supplies of machines for... 8471 so laptop chargers power supplies that go into your computer so if you make a circuit board that goes into those things that go into 8471s that gets a tariff uh domestic microwave ovens is specifically called out so if you make a circuit board in china it gets hiked if it goes into a domestic microwave oven um i'm going to skip some of these um, what's a weird one is this assemblies and subassemblies of articles of 8520.90 consisting of two or more pieces fastened together, which is very, very specific. But the thing is 8520.90 isn't in the current tax or tariff code. Huh. Um, it was removed in 07. It's basically for MP3 players and they just made it more... They made extra ones that are more specific now because I guess by 07, there are so many things that are sound recording apparatus, whether or not incorporating a sound reproducing device. Like cell phones fall under that too. So they made it more specific to like MP3 players and made other codes. Um, but the thing is, this 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 code is actually 8522.90.25 still has the old 8520.90 in it. So they huh. never updated this thing. They just copy-paste. Yeah, copy-paste. You know, Great. some government's, you know, intern. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this um, list is forever. Oh, yes. It goes, we're going to skip some of these. Um, but the ones that I thought was interesting was like 8531.90.30, which is electronic sound or visual signaling apparatuses, which would include synthesizers and musical creation devices, um, which is something that you you build. Yeah. And so if you build a circuit board that goes into a final assembly in the United States that generates sound, boom, right there. 
So basically, there's a lot of like, it's interesting where like, it's very specific of X PCB A in X. Like they chose these for a reason. Hmm. And so I want to guess there is some contract manufacturer that builds PCBA that goes into microwaves and that senator is protecting his constituents in that state. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of is like, why is it that specific? Yeah. And it would be interesting to know who, what the committee looked like that wrote all of these and where are they getting their information from? Yeah, Cause these are these tax or these tariff codes already existed prior like right. these have already existed these are the ones that they're choosing to increase from 10% to 25% and even before the 10% increase last year these yeah. have existed for decades <laughs> who who do you, who do you slip money to be like hey throw this number on there <laughs> it might be wmd for that electronic sound and visually signaling apparatuses <laughs> oh geez i can i can guarantee you not <laughs> Oh, this is crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what is the end result of this. I mean, I get the goal, I get the whole reasoning behind why our nation is wanting to do this, but just how it's panning out seems really odd to me. Um, yeah, and we talked about this last year when we talked about the the July stuff, and what this really hurts is the mid-range-ish companies in, in, the, in the United States because they are big enough that they can outsource some of their stuff to China or somewhere else, like their PCBA, mm-hmm. and then they do final product assembly here. Um, actually, some really large companies like Samsung does that here as well, and like like they do TVs that way. They'll get circuit boards made in China and Tijuana, mm-hmm. and then they do final assembly of TVs in like Austin. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but it's really, but most of these companies that do it that way, they're kind of like the middle guys. They're not super big where they can, you know, do everything in China, like Apple. Um, and they're not small enough to where it makes sense to just do everything in house, right. Or do everything local. And so they're really hitting those guys. And it's like, is that really the problem? You know, hurting those guys is, uh, is the bigger problem. The fact that your iPhone is made in China. The final product. Yeah. Um, and I think... I, I'm not really a big fan of this PCBA that goes into X thing. I would like... I'd like to see it, like, full-on, like, products, right, that come from China are actually taxed. Because right now, that's not the case. Wait, what do you mean? So if you are... Are, are a company that makes a microwave all the way in China. So it's 100% made in China, and you import that, it's not 25%. Oh, I see what you're getting at. It's yeah. so, at some other percentage. It's a lot lower, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not going after that stuff. And that's the problem. Like, these PCBAs that go into X, that at least that going into X is a U.S. job, right? Whereas yeah, yeah. It, what's, what's going to happen here is those middle companies are going to try to either bring all the PCBA in-house or to other contract manufacturers here in the United States or into Mexico, or they're going to offshore everything mm-hmm. and just get a final microwave back 
<laughs> right, right. Well, I, they actually know, ordered I, TVs and they got microwaves. Well, and 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 yeah, I think you, 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 there's a lot of raw material, maybe not raw material, but but um, components that by themselves are not the final product uh, that are on this list. I'm thinking transformer and potentiometer, like that. Why why hit that instead of hitting final product? If things that you're worried about are, are things like copyright infringement and uh, mm-hmm. and things of that sort. I don't know, like because no, this you're, seems you're like right a, there. this seems like it's going to impact the U.S. public quite a bit for us to appear tough to China, you know? Yeah. And it's, I, I, and I was talking to you about the uh, earlier is like, you know, why are they doing transformers? And you told me we have ton, like transformers is one of the last like actual electrical components that we still make a lot. Yeah. Of. We make that. There's tons of transformer manufacturers in the United States. Tons of them. Whereas compared to resistors, right? Like an 0805 10 K resistor. I don't think there's anyone that makes those in the States. Yeah, there's still money left in Transformers, but yeah, yeah you can't, you're not going to compete with the resistors. Yeah, the money's in the Transformers stand, right? Right, and maybe that's why they put that on there. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking is it, they're, whatever committee, one guy was like, hey, I've got a Transformer manufacturer in my, you know, voting block. You know, let's put this in there. Maybe, you know, who knows? Well, and, and with the Transformer thing, they're, they're obviously not including. Uh, because they said non-liquid dielectric, they're not including the transform, you know, distribution pole transformers. Yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, I don't know exactly where those are manufactured, but that's not part of this tariff list. Correct. So uh, I don't know. It's th- this all kind of stinks to me. You know, it smells bad. It's very. This the one last year I was kind of I was okay with because it was kind of just like a blanket thing. Mm-hmm. It was like. All resistors, all capacitors, blah, 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 all these things. Yeah. Um, and didn't really feel super political in its motive. This, on the other hand, feels very political in what they selected for the increase. Sure. And that's what I don't like about it is I don't think there's going to be of really any benefit to U.S. manufacturers for this kind of stuff. I, I would say the only... One in here that benefits anyone in the United States directly would be U.S. PCB manufacturers. Right. Because that, the, but the thing is, we just talked about, you know, your $1 JLC PCB went to $1.25, big whoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but it all gets passed, right? Like, yes. One way, it all gets passed down to the end user or the, or the end customer until the end customer finally says, I'm not willing to pay this. And then and then everything breaks, right? Well, yeah, and you have to I think the idea is to at least from last year it was, hey, let's, you know, make it so that buying US parts and stuff makes more sense. Yeah, and that's I, kind of the yeah. idea of tariffs in general. But this is this, this doesn't feel that way. This feels like an odd punishment, and I'm not sure who's trying to be punished here. Yeah, you know, I'm I I, I don't want to get too political with it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I would say I'm not really seeing how like let's say how Macrofat benefits from this one. Oh yeah, well I mean the thing is okay, so great yeah if someone 
Uh, so if there's a 25% hike on somebody wanting to do a PCBA in China, and then they say, oh, you know, maybe I'll go over to Macrofab, what? but now all the parts have the 25% adder on them. So it's like, well, what? No, no. The thing is about that is last year's was a great benefit for Macrofab. Okay. Because it was just like, because final, like any PCBA from China has an increase. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like very specific things, and it's like, Things that go into like really high volume things like microwaves. Yeah. It's just like Yeah, I, I I think going into like who actually was on these boards and then go into their district and be like, Okay, do they have a Samsung factory there or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I know the T V one is like aimed at like like Samsung and those guys who get boards made in Tijuana. And then final assembly here. Because, like, that is protecting that. Mm-hmm. So. Crazy. Yeah. I guess, you know, we're just going to have to let time tell on this and track it and see what's going on. Because uh, it yeah, just seems the like the one from last year ended up doing pretty good for us. But I don't know about this one. We'll see. Maybe, maybe those who are in charge know so much more than us. Well, they have no fucking idea what they're doing. <laughs> On to the next RFO. <laughs> cool. Google discontinues works with Nest program, tightens smart home privacy rules. Cool. So to increase the privacy of their users, uh, Google is discontinuing their works with Nest program which is basically their kind of like API that allows other devices to talk to their their network of things. Um, and, the, and so it kind of sucks, I guess, if you've already got like a working network of things, like your, your whole home automation is all working. Basically, Google is just going to like pull the plug on that and nothing of your stuff's going to work anymore. <laughs> Great. Yep. We've talked about this before. Yes, every single time IoT comes up. <laughs> um, the big thing is going to break is IFTTT, which is if then or if then then this system. It's basically a way to glue different IoT ecosystems together. Oh gosh! And so you can make like Amazon's uh, Alexa work with other devices that like do switches on your wall and stuff, but they don't have to be the same brands. They just have to have a kind of like an open API ish. And this glues everything together in a web web browser interface. And I, I've actually used it before. And it's pretty nice, mm-hmm. but basically the work with Nest program is how IFTT works. And so they're going to get rid of that and it's going to break pretty much. I think it's going to break like every single person's, like ecosystem of home automation they own. <laughs> We've been warned multiple times, you know, don't don't rely your entire system upon somebody else's servers because mm-hmm. uh, they can just switch it off at any point in time, you know? Exactly. And given that Google is really good at pulling the plug on projects, you know, I don't know why you trust them with anything at this point. <laughs> I'll say this. If tomorrow Google said, eh, we're not going to do Gmail anymore, that would not surprise me. Uh, that would be 
Jeez, that would be awful. <laughs> it would be awful. Like, if they said Google Docs, eh, we're not going to do Google, Google Docs anymore. But you know what? They hold the right to do that, right? They could yes. do that. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, a lot of people would be shocked, but I'm like, eh, it's Google. They do this with everything. Yeah. I mean, they're going to get rid of Hangouts. Have, are they? Yep. When's that happening? Uh, I think uh, fall this year. They're going to oh, get rid of really? Hangouts. Well, that yeah. sucks. It's like the last piece of Google Plus that's finally going to get turned <laughs> off. <laughs> they're finally letting that die. Yeah. Well, Google Plus is dead now. Well, yeah, right. But the but like all of it. Yes. Didn't Hangouts, Hangouts was like the best then? thing that came out of it. Yeah. Yeah, Google Plus was special. <laughs> um, so next on the list is the Sony MSX MSX2 Plus has some pretty crazy PCB construction. It's something I've never seen before. Um, it was on um, Thomas... What, how do you pronounce that? Dady? Uh, Thomas Dady. His uh, you, uh, Twitter handle is Engine Tankard. Yeah, Thomas Dady. Yeah. yeah. And Dady. so he took a picture of this this Sony MSX2, which was like a, a computer back in the day you could buy. And it's a two-layer board with a third layer, like, silk screened on top. Yeah, it's really neat because it's, it's a very bright blue color of... The solder mask that's on yeah, top the, of it. Somehow they deposited uh, an entire separate layer on top of an existing layer. Yes, I've and never. And so it looks seen like it probably before. picks up on like open pad vias, like untented vias. Yeah, and they they somehow deposited a conductive device, like probably silver. I'm going to guess mm-hmm. or copper, some kind of like ink, silver ink probably, like silk screened it. Yeah, and then they silk screened the the blue solder mask over it and i bet so, so they use blue so they'd have a good contrast against like uh, the normal green so they, they yeah. can easily visually see that it's wor- it covered it it looks like a really really highly professional done green wire <laughs> yes the thing is though if you open up that uh, the link i have there the other side of the board is like all just wires everywhere that oh, really? are soldered to the board yeah it's yeah. The back actually looks pretty nice, but then the front is just like wires jumping around everywhere. Yeah, cable harnesses and connectors and things like yeah. that. Yeah, daughter boards and yeah. It's not- I, I, I like the uh, the blocky silk screen that obviously they're chunking out different systems. You know. Yes. Yeah. Audio, video, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And look at that big module in the bottom right. That's some kind of like encased. Oh yeah, that, power that's, regulator. That's been gooped. No, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a Sony part. That's not going to be. Oh well, yeah, that's not a power supply thing. It doesn't look like. Yeah, I wonder uh, what that is. It's got some big honking parts in there that's been you know encased for some reason. Yeah, maybe that's the Sony magic that goes into every product. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love these old boards. These are fun to watch or fun to fun to kind of look at and just be like, yep. wow, like. There's so much by today's standard. There's so much like excess going on, but that's what you had available, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a there's a battery in that same section as that gooped up board, so there's got to be some kind of something that remembers something. <laughs> 
You like Heard that? Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something that remembers something. That's right. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, go check that out. That's It's very interesting construction. If someone out there knows exactly how they would build that board, I'm thinking it was, like, silkscreened. I'm wondering if that's – I think you mentioned something like this earlier, but I'm wondering if that's something where it's, like, they messed up and they're like, oh, we forgot – Oh yeah, I eighty-five said traces. You know, yeah, eighty-five. Tra- <laughs> but they already ran the boards, right? Or they forgot, like it was supposed to be like a three-layer board, and they forgot the inner layer. Yeah, because I'm I'm trying to Google like triple-layer boards and things like that, and it's just, it doesn't come up with anything useful. Yeah, if you're building a three-layer board nowadays, the best is to do a four-layer board and just like have an empty layer. Give up on one of them. Unless you're in high enough production volume that the PCB manufacturer is actually going to, you know, do one a custom stack up for you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, go check that out. Yeah, it's super weird. Let, it, they, let us know if you know what that what that actually is. Yeah, why is it that way? Yeah, I think I'm more. In, I think they silk screened it, and I think that's how it was made. Mm. But I'd like to know why. Maybe you're right, though. It was like, yeah, we had 85 corrections to do. <laughs> and we already built a billion boards. It actually looks like a hell of a lot more than 85. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, actually, I wonder. Uh, maybe maybe I can answer my... Uh, is this... Okay, never mind. I thought what they, they might have done is just print the top layer in blue ink on the bottom so you could see it. But no, that's actual connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an interesting idea, though. It would aid in like troubleshooting work, maybe. Yeah, right. But no, this is an this is like a legit layer on top of a layer. Yeah, it's interesting how and like if you look at the bottom, there are some green wire fixes in here. Oh, there's more than a couple. That's true. There's more than a couple. Yeah, there's a lot of rosin residue all over that board. Yeah, it's also coated, conformally coated. It's got a lot of goop on it. Huh, interesting. I think the MXX, MSX had uh, a Metal Gear game on it. I remember getting a uh, an emulator for it a long time ago. Wasn't that like a Japan-only? Yeah, yeah, it's a Japan-only computer. 1989. Metal Gear? What? What? No. A, th- a third layer on the PCB? No. What? No. <laughs> Nuclear warheads. A hind D. A hind D. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. So go check that out. Let us know why they would have done it that way. That'd be cool to know. Uh, next one is, the last one for today, is why USB 3 Type-C isn't on more computer cases. Um, and so this is like a how cables are made in the factory. They are... Very handmade. Really? Yeah. They're artisan USB Type-C connectors. Oh. So the, the, basically all those connections inside of a cable, they're pretty much all hand done. Really? There's not a machine that does it. I'm surprised. Yeah, so yeah, go I'm check out that watch, video. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch this one. So, go check that out. That was a eye-opener um, on why... Oh, I'm playing the video over my audio. <laughs> but yeah, it's um a lot of hand assembly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of zipping through that 
You're right. Wow, they just have like bundles and bundles of wires. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that looks like a giant pain in the butt. Yep. And 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 we're talking <laughs> and we're talking about all this China. Like this stuff should be cheap. <laughs> no, we didn't complain about that. <laughs> well, also this is just. I guess this is one uh, company that they're going over, but still, yeah, they are have. Um, it's still very handmade. Yeah. It's just interesting. It's like when you look at um, cell phones. I, I, I should find the video about cell phone construction. Sure, the PCBs are very automated, but the final assembly of your cell phone, yeah, there is a lot of hand hand on like just assembly. Yeah, putting everything together. For, like there isn't a machine that does all the screws. Someone is putting all those screws in. Right, right. Um, it's amazing looking at like final product assembly in let's say cars versus electronic devices like cell phones. Automakers have like it's like ninety percent automated hmm. it's assembly. Like they do some final stuff like. It's pretty much like if they can't get a robot to do it, it's by hand. Right. Like, they will try really hard in the automotive industry to get a robot to do it. Whereas in, you know, phone construction, they're like, eh, let's just get, like, 100 people to assemble them. Or 1,000 people, probably in most cases, <laughs> <laughs> to assemble them instead of trying to get a robot to do it. Sure. So. Okay, you got to... Just real quick, scroll to uh, three minutes and forty six seconds in this video. What what's going on with this? There is a wire stripping machine, but it's got like a cutout in a cardboard box. Which 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 time? Three minute forty six seconds. This is great. Like, what is this cardboard box for? Are they trying to conceal their special machine, or is there like some use for this cardboard box? It's just pulling the insulation off yeah it's just a with no machine. by the way no guards yeah yeah you stick your finger in there it'll, <laughs> it'll take everything finger. off yeah uh you know yeah, i wonder if that? they have that box to catch all of the little uh nibbles that they take off yeah that's so weird yeah it's like your usps you know brewery rig Oh, mine looked way better than that. Yeah, your, yours did look... But it doesn't have the typical China yellow tape on it. That's true. That must we be should, a We should USA do an box. entire special about that tape. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one day we should find out where is that... What is that? I like how the tape? person who's holding all the cables has a Band-Aid on his finger. <laughs> <laughs> how did he yeah. use that machine? Yeah, oh, they man. found... Uh, yeah, they found the guy with the least number of Band-Aids on their hand. Right, for this video. Oh, that's great. All right, all right. Let's go ahead yeah. and close this out. Let's close this podcast out. Cool. We're at over an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your host, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. Take it easy. Later, everyone. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or you know why the Sony MSX2 Plus has that crazy PCB construction, 
Let us know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen. It helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.